0: ebb and flow inspires persistence and determination during the rhythmical patterns of decline and regrowth in life. Each episode, I bring on an inspiring and influential voices who are here to help us stand strong and walk through the ebb moments of life and propel us to the peak of our health physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually so we can live our life in the flow individually and collectively. This includes strategies, habits, routines, focus tricks questions and much more that we can use to live our life in the best way in order to maximize our service to others thanks for joining me today i hope you're as excited for the ebb and flow podcast as i am but to make sure you don't miss any episodes subscribe now on any stream check out youtube or visit solomonezra.com to learn more When I met with one of my previous podcast guests, Dr. Gwen Foster, I was introduced to more evidence of synchronistic experiences guiding me where I'd like to be. I focused on the emotion of being at peak health and let that guide me to heal and recover. Naturally, I was led to Dr. Foster, who then referred me to today's guest, Dr. Stuart Marmastine, to help me realign my cranium and help improve the body-brain connection that I have. He got me in for an appointment the next day. And in that one appointment, I noticed more clarity of mind than several other treat- treatment methods have tried. I'm very thankful of meeting Dr. Marmastine and pleased to be able to share his knowledge and practice with you. Dr. Stuart Marmastine is a Houston-based holistic chiropractor who focuses on helping people of all ages with chronic pain, health and energy issues by using safe, non-forceful and effective methods. He's an expert in applied kinesiology and talks today about his practice based primarily on the belief that our bodies are designed to be self-regulating and self-healing. We just need to get the blocks out of the way. His approach helps improve the communication between the brain and the body so we can get out of our own way. Enjoy. I'm here today with Dr. Stuart Marmistine, how are you today, Doctor Stewart? Doing fine, thank you. How are you, Solomon? I'm doing excellent, and it's a pleasure to come back in Houston and have the opportunity to talk with you about your practices. Before we dive into a couple of things, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background. Something I'm really excited to hear about because you know sometimes I'll come in for a um, you know a um, a patient uh meeting to kind of you know fix up different kind of stuff. Um, but I never get to hear a little bit about yourself, and so I'm excited to hear about it.
1: Okay, I am currently practicing chiropractic and have been uh, for 40 years. Uh, I do some unconventional chiropractic work because I started using applied kinesiology back in 1976 when I was still in school. Applied kinesiology is muscle response testing or functional muscle testing or just plain old muscle testing where you can use that as a diagnostic method so you can find out what's going on in a person's body through what their brain knows about what's going on in their body, and it can be either an adjunct to or a substitute for, depending on what's appropriate in the situation, other diagnostic approaches. So, there are times when you might need an x ray or an MRI or blood work to tell what's going on with the person's body or their body mind system. But there are other times when those systems are not the best tool for the job, and when you want to have a direct way to test the body, get results in the here and now, and find out. For instance, if there's a misalignment of the spine, if there is a sensitivity to a substance, if there's a sensitivity to some other sort of stimulus, which could be as varied as an activity that the person's performing, or even a word that the person might be thinking or saying or hearing or a phrase, and I've been doing all kinds of research and teaching Now, for most of those 40 years, I started out as a pre-medical medical student back in, well, when I completed high school, I was accepted into a program with Penn State and Jefferson Medical College in Philadelphia. And if I would have stayed with that program, I would have been an MD five years out of high school. Wow. And it just didn't really feel like the right path for me. I was more holistically oriented all along. I've always had a high level of curiosity and took several uh, National Science Foundation sponsored summer programs while I was still in high school. But the, the whole hospital venue and the orientation toward using pharmaceuticals didn't really resonate with me as much as using natural holistic methods.
0: What what led you what led you to make that jump because you also kind of you speak about it on your uh, website what what was the kind of calling that you mentioned you had that made that <clears throat> helped you spark that jump from going to traditional medical route to chiropractic because you also mentioned that your, your family history didn't have much of a chiropractic background, or you didn't know much of it yourself, or even got a chiropractic uh, uh, maneuver. That's right, Solomon.
1: What actually happened was that I ha- I came from a very medically-oriented family and went to an allergist as well as pediatricians when I was a young child, so I had no exposure to what a chiropractor was or to anything related to holistic healing, acupuncture, nutrition and so forth. But when I left the home that I grew up in to go away to college, to undergraduate school, I became exposed to people who were uh, having profound healing experiences just by changing their diets. Uh, I also realized when I changed into, when I changed majors and got out of the pre-medical medical program and went into psychology for a while, that a lot of what I had been doing along the way in hospitals showed that a person's mindset and their conditioning to either get better and heal or to go downhill and die, a lot of those could be altered with the right words so I decided to go in a different direction
0: and I have no regrets about that the right words meaning what they were telling themselves what kind of beliefs they had about the body about their mind about you know everything in life
1: yes sir our minds are very powerful they're very creative and they can be used to create good things or bad things and that's why we have a world that has a mixture of those two in it in my opinion
0: very cool. And so with that different beliefs that you found and from the different psychologic, uh, psychological studies that you discovered and learned, how did you take that knowledge and then with the medical and chiropractic knowledge and kind of develop your practice that you have today?
1: The The way that my practice developed, first of all, I had to find out about chiropractic mm-hmm and I had a very good friend and mentor, uh, when I was an undergraduate, uh, he's unfortunately deceased, but he introduced me to meditation, he introduced me to a lot of what's now called transpersonal psychology, and I found out more about the link between traditional Western psychology and psychotherapy and, uh, Eastern practices, and, uh, found there was a lot there, and I was also introduced to chiropractic and knew that there was one in State College, Pennsylvania. Back later on when I moved out of State College and went back to Philadelphia and just had to get a a regular job in order to uh, make ends meet, I became more interested in chiropractic. I was interested in natural foods and went to a natural foods meeting where there was a chiropractor who guest lectured to the assembled group and the philosophy of it made so much sense that basically our bodies are made to be self-regulating and self-healing if we can only get the blocks out of the way, if we can remove the interference. Now, at that time, it was a simple level on which I understood that from what I was exposed to, and that it had to do with adjusting the vertebrae and the spine in order to improve the transmission of energy and information through nerves between the brain and the parts of the body. I later on found out that blocks could be many other kinds of things, which could include anything from our thoughts, to foods we might be sensitive to, to pathogens that are introduced to the body through breathing, touching, and so forth, chemicals that might get into our food or water through farming practices. So really anything uh, could affect anything with our function, and the muscle testing turned out to be a much more sensitive instrument to be that was usable for making these determinations and for seeing whether or not whatever treatment was proposed on a theoretical basis was likely to be helpful, and afterwards whether or not it worked. And um, a lot of times, the more traditional measurement systems could show a difference, for instance, x ray. Uh, changes showing postural improvements or lab improvements often would follow, usually at a later time, the muscle testing improvements.
0: So did a lot of that has to do with kind of how you created the belief that... A lot of it is focused around, you know, that our body is capable of healing itself. Yes. That you think? So how did you... Adopt that belief um, through the different, you know, like transpersonal um, psychology and the different studies of Western and Eastern practices that led you to go down this awesome work and then also kind of discover that a lot of the miscommunication can be fixed with moving around the cranium, like you noticed with um, my skull and the impact that I had. Okay. Very good. The, one of the
1: modalities that I have been working with almost since the beginning, and I was introduced to it through my early postgraduate studies, which I took while I was still in a, uh, yeah. a chiropractic student, uh, applied kinesiology looked at, for the first time in my own experience, the idea that the bones of the skull and there are 22 bones in the skull, if you don't count the tiny bones in the ears that are related to hearing and, and balance. There are 22 plates, and they move throughout life. Uh, in a dead person, they appear to be fused. If you were to look at a, at a skull of somebody who had been departed for a long time, but in somebody who has been around well, for somebody who's more recently deceased, there's actually cartilage persisting between the the plates of the skull, and there's still movement. And in a living person, there is enough movement, and we're not talking about inches, we're talking about uh, very minute movements that don't require a lot of force to make. Um, There is movement throughout life, and there are demonstrable changes that take place not only with muscle testing as a measurement, but flexibility, leg length. Uh, when you're looking at the person lying on a table, a lot of times the pelvis will be pulled up on one side, making one leg appear longer or shorter, and because of connections inside of the head to other tissues, that imbalance. For instance, if somebody's right leg appears to be an inch or an inch and a half shorter than the opposite leg, you can correct that oftentimes just by working on the bones of the skull using light fingertip pressure.
0: So the
1: uh, I probably ahead. only answered part of your question. Yeah, go ahead. No, so uh, yeah. uh where would you like to go from here?
0: Well it it sounds like I mean a lot of people come to you from some kind of impact they may they might have had, whether it was um, you know, a hit to the back of the head or some kind of, you know, injury. But you also talk about how, you know, even the birth process can kind of knock our, our skull kind of out of alignment. And so how would, I mean, I feel like everybody could really use <laughs> a different a little bit of like a, a, a cranial alignment. But can we dive into more of in addition to like the applied kinesiology, what practices you really kind of implement and then created to help move everything into alignment and, and improve that communication between the, the brain and the body?
1: I studied many kinds of cranial systems, starting with applied kinesiology in 1976. So by the time I graduated from chiropractor college in 1979, I was already helping the diplomates in applied kinesiology, the people who were designated as teachers by the founder of applied kinesiology, Dr. George Goodhart, I was helping to teach the cranial sections of those classes, and we mostly used still relatively unobtrusive, non-heavy movements, uh, along with different phases of respiration, breathing in, breathing out. Uh, Nowadays, uh, I use even less force than I used then. In between, I learned other methods which included doing very heavy stretches of muscles that attach to the back of the head in order to get things to change inside of the head, and some thrusting techniques where I would put the thumb on different plates of the head and do a light thrust. This is not something that's going to make a noise when you're doing it, and even techniques where uh, different types of balloons were inserted into the nose or mouth in order to, well, instruments or fingers with gloves on in the mouth or balloons in the nose to expand the head. I now have a completely uh, non-invasive, gentle, safe for babies to the elderly uh, method that reliably will get the bones and the head back into alignment. But as you were saying, um, probably, yes, everybody would be a good candidate for at least having the head checked, Um, because the birth process, whether it's um, natural or induced, or if somebody has a caesarean section operation. It's pretty rough on the baby's head and oftentimes the neck to get the baby out of the body. Some of that has to do with what's already taken place. Some of it has to do with the way the skull has formed as a result of the diet of um, even generations before the baby can affect the dentition or the way the the mm. teeth the teeth develop uh, there are There was a, many studies are cited in the literature from the Weston Price Foundation if you're more interested in some of that research. Um, Other things that can affect the head, of course, would be uh, impact of the head, so when the baby's born already, if things are not already in trouble. if they're trying to learn how to go up and down stairs and they tumble, they're likely to hit the head, and that could be enough force to create some misalignments that could affect musculoskeletal structure and even internal organ functioning. Um, of course, whiplash accidents will overstretch muscles that attach to the front and back of the head, which can also pull the bones and the skull out of alignment dental and orthodontic work can, I'm, uh, I'm like, sign surgery,
0: g- I'm g- kind of giggling because I mean, so much of, you know, our waking state can and have a lot of, you know, whiplash a little bit to it. So how is it that we can go on like, and <clears throat> you're saying that even right out of birth or different impacts or whiplashes can affect you know, how our brain and our body is communicating with each other. How is it that we can go on, you know, years and years with, with feeling, I guess, okay, or having a familiar feeling and not knowing what the natural state to feel that has good communication from our brain and our body to be like that you're, that you're studying your studies and practice is helping people realize?
1: It's a good question. And the sometimes I wonder how people do as well as we do. Yeah. And it's also the case that once people start to get uh, past uh, teenage years and early 20s, uh, there's been more time for mechanical stresses to accumulate and for imbalances to become more pronounced. So even with teenagers, for instance with uh, many teen- teenagers, more uh, girls than boys at that age, there can be uh, development of a scoliosis and in my opinion, which is definitely not necessarily the orthodox one here, the imbalances in the skull can contribute to the pelvis being raised on one side through the sacral bone at the base of the spine and that can create curvatures which, left untreated, tend to get worse over time. Many things tend to get worse over time just because the body loses its ability to continue compensating for imbalances and the imbalance gets worse and worse. Sometimes it'll be relatively stable in some people, but my experience is that Over a period of time, complications develop. They're not all of structural origin. We also have uh, an environment from the outside that's affecting us oftentimes in adverse ways. Everything from air pollution to um, changes in the environment that may make us Give us more exposure to allergens, indoor allergens that uh, can occur based on the fact that the buildings we live and work in don't breathe anymore, so mm-hmm. to speak. There's very little ventilation. Like the room we're in right now is in a 12 story office building. We're on the ninth floor right now, and the windows don't open. So whatever air is coming in is coming in through the vents, and it's getting recycled, and a common example that probably most of the audience will be familiar with is all the people who tend to get sick after long flights on an airplane, because the air is recycled, and uh, so are the germs that the passengers are carrying with them. Yeah, and you get dehydrated. And you get dehydrated, and the, the seats are not necessarily ergonomically uh, designed Mm -hmm. and they're a little too close together and crowded. Mm -hmm. So modern life itself, uh, while it brings many conveniences to it, uh, with it,
0: is a little rough on a lot of people. So your approach and what I like about it is that it's based on like the beliefs we were talking about earlier, Uh, like the body is capable of healing itself. A lot of that a lot of that and that what I like about the holistic approach is a lot of the maybe injuries where we run into, where the illnesses come from some kind of emotional block emotional kind of trauma. How is it that can because you're also a a practicing chiropractic doctor and where you're actually you're not just sitting down with somebody and talking about you know uh you know past traumas or something like a psychologist would but your holistic approach kind of covers that because you're you are looking at how some kind of event or some even trauma affects how the body is communicating with it, the the brain could you dive into kind of explaining that sure the uh
1: we have a an ever increasing population we're we're crowded technology has changed a lot of the way that we live and work and it's sped things up for a lot of people the fact that we're quote unquote more productive sometimes also means that more is expected of us including that we be available almost 24 hours a day 7 days a week and a lot of times um, just the cost of workspace is enough to where people are in overcrowded conditions. In some way it reminds me of agricultural practices that have livestock uh, crowded into small areas uh, waiting to be slaughtered or harvested so that we can uh, eat the meat. But in the Many people are used to what could be called cubicle life, and they spend a lot of time in cars, which are traveling on roads that used to be adequate to get them back and forth, but now there aren't enough lanes because of population growth in certain areas, so people spend a lot of time sitting in traffic and worrying about time and, um, worrying about can they get all the work done, maybe even taking work home with them You're to, do, a lot of to, stress to do during their time off. And some things have gotten better and some people are living longer than they used to, and some of that is due to pharmaceutical medications. Uh, this also means that sometimes people in their middle years may find that they're taking care of both parents who are living with them, and children who are um, not only graduated from elementary school and high school, but often from college, because it's difficult to find uh, good work that pays enough to for the these young adults to live independently. Uh, it's a common kind of a thing. So, Oftentimes, somebody who might be between the 50s and the 70s, those people are often taking care of parents who are dependent on them and children and having to maintain um, a job of some sort or a career of some sort to make things go. All of this adds a lot of stress. there are certain diseases, for instance cancer, that have not exactly gone down a lot in terms of the incidence of, of cancer. Yes, there are some better treatments available, most people uh, are kind of steered toward uh, the traditional approaches. In our society of working with surgery, uh, radiation, and chemotherapy for that, and cancer, the and the treatments for cancer often leave uh, behind traumas of their own that people are having to learn to live with. So there are a lot of adjustments to be made. Uh, whenever there is more competition in the workforce, there is also going to be competition on the academic end, how can uh, I have a better uh, resume, a better application to get into the right school that's going to give me more of an edge so that maybe I can become an unpaid intern for a while before I get an actual paying job. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of pressure on younger people. There's questions about, uh, does it make sense for me to have a family? Does it make sense for me uh, to uh,
0: live in this city or or that city? Yeah, a lot of of outside voices in a sense, and pressures from the outside and also with the inside because of a
1: And these stresses are going to cause muscle tension. And the muscle tension can cause uh, vertebral misalignments. They can also directly cause hormonal changes, neurotransmitter changes, changes in a person's sleep, which can in turn affect their health. Yeah. And you get many of these vicious cycles going on because of of a life that has become uh, much more complex than... I'm not saying we're not working, uh, that we're necessarily working harder than somebody who had to get up at sunrise, work on a farm, and uh, go to bed at dusk. Yeah. It's a different kind of a life, but there was more fresh air, the food was uh, better quality, the soil was a better quality, and uh, there was a sense of Accomplishment rather than futility. Now, I don't want to glorify the past and say that the present doesn't have its own advantages, but it does have its disadvantages, its complications, and uh, we're all somewhere aware of what's going on in the world because of the the internet, podcasts, um, YouTube. Uh, we're exposed to a lot more information information and news, and some on some level when it comes in, we have to process it just as we have to process the food we eat, the water we drink, and the air we mm. breathe
0: so then tying that with your um, with your practice, you mentioned uh, that the different kind of adjustments that you're able to do helps. Helps the communication in the body. Does that in turn also help the person as a whole protect from those different outside, uh, maybe radio waves or toxins or environmental um, stim stimulations? I guess you could call it. Because then you know also like you're you're saying with all the information coming in, it's like you know I'm I'm done with this podcast and then I'll check my phone and you have messages. It's like it's so much input processing mode you know, you're not you it's pretty how much do you, you need you need to be able to get some, some, some space, some communication <laughs> between your the, the brain and the body to be able to, okay, well, what just happened? What did I just learn actually like process the information?
1: Okay, but that's a that's a great uh, lead into this. The, the basic chiropractic theory, without getting too much into the minutiae of it, mm-hmm. which, uh, chiropractors uh, debate about but the basic idea is that the brain is connected uh, to the body through a network of nerves so the brain, the spinal cord the spinal nerve roots and then all the branches of those nerve roots go to every cell in the body Mm -hmm. Uh, when you're dealing with something that complex mechanical pressure or interference with nerves can be a factor in how well somebody is going to feel and function, including something as simple as, but as, and as common as, low back pain. Um, so the because of the fact that the nerves are very fragile, they're, they're soft, and like in the brain the consistency is kind of like jello, so we have a skull to protect it the spinal cord has this ingenious uh bunch of rings uh bony rings to protect it the vertebrae and there are there are tw- there are 24 of those that are, that move from the the neck or cervical area down to the lumbar area and the the fact that we have 24 segments allows us to move if you had the just holes drilled in, the, in one solid pipe, we would be completely stiff and incapable of movement. It, it's hard to create uh, a robot that can move as well as yeah. a human, but when we have all of these vertebrae and very little tolerance for um, misalignment of these segments because of nerves that exit the spinal cord that can cause uh, a change in the quality of information and feedback between the brain and different organs and that can affect our digestion, which can in turn affect our immunity. If somebody's not digesting well, then even if they're eating a good diet, which is always questionable, especially when life is moving faster, they're not going to have as good of an immune system, which means that they'll be more susceptible to viruses, bacteria, and other pathogens. Um, One of the main complaints that people go to medical doctors with is digestive trouble. Uh, But if we don't get the nutrients out of the food, that can in turn affect everything from skin to eyesight to kidney function uh to uh, the knee joint so I do see people on a regular basis in order to help them with a wide variety of problems so I'm kind of a generalist rather than a specialist And and the uh both the opportunity and the need to continue to
0: study uh, continues. Yeah, well, you mentioned also that, you know, I back earlier at the beginning of this, you know, a lot of um, maybe even digestive issues and whatnot can come from our, our thoughts and our beliefs. How do the different foods that you're noticing people maybe eating or environmental toxins are affecting that? Because there are some people that are aware of that and that what they eat, they it, they don't let that material kind of thing affect their belief in that their body is strong, is is capable of, is powerful enough of taking the right nutrients and and healing itself. Does that make sense? It does. So the
1: uh, our body makes its own chemicals out of what's inside of us. Mm-hmm. So if we are upset that will affect our ability to digest, and there can be toxic byproducts of bad digestion. So it's not just a matter of we don't get the nutrients. Like free but medical? It, but, it, but it's a matter of um, the body will will create um, very toxic compounds mm-hmm. that can produce name diseases mm-hmm. um, when the digestion isn't good, not only are we not getting the nutrients out of the food because of poor digestion, but we'll create gas, for instance, which is uh, no big secret, uh, but we'll also get intestinal toxins, uh, we'll get adrenal fatigue, a lot of times if somebody's eating a lot of sugary things or a lot of caffeine in order to get a quick energy uh, fix when they're feel quote unquote fix when they're feeling exhausted and then when the adrenals are functioning under par the ligaments can become weaker and then the vertebrae can go out of alignment easier so again you get into all kinds of uh, vicious cycles here yeah. and, and part of my job is to rearrange the spine in such a way that there's less mechanical stress and also to counsel people on possibly moving towards some better lifestyle choices that might appear to cost too much to to do like to take off a little time or to get more sleep at night uh, miss a television show and and get an extra hour's worth of sleep um, and try to, to buy uh, fresher foods, things that... To make health a priority. To make, to make health a priority rather than having everything coming out of a can
0: or a box or a window at a fast food joint. Yeah. Cool, cool. So there, because as I look into and, and start on my own journey of learning about all these different techniques really curious, because there are so many techniques and skills out there and or but what you have studied and created has has really led you to this great practice and and proven results. Anybody can see that and your patients are there to offer testimonials. But what was the what was the kind of guiding intention or attitude that led you to these complementary techniques?
1: There were a number of uh, very influential factors that I was fortunate enough to be exposed to earlier on in my career. So after I got exposed to the applied kinesiology or muscle testing, I met a chiropractor from Santa Barbara, California, named Richard Van Rumpt. We became very good friends uh, throughout most of the 1980s, and he taught me his method and about how to see. his his uh nickname that he gave himself was van the innate man and this is a reference to innate intelligence yeah. innate intelligence is a term used throughout chiropractic history to talk about not the educated intelligence that we get by going to universities graduate schools and so forth but the intelligence that's into us uh, when when we come into the into the world as babies it's not just intuition uh, I think it does include it um, but it's the whole ability of the body to try to find its own internal balance and to be to, to regulate itself throughout life so for instance even if we're sleeping at night our heart will continue to beat. Mm -hmm. We don't have to stay awake to watch the heart to make sure it doesn't fall down on the job. Um, If we are eating food, even if we're not being super aware while we're eating it, we're pushing um, bits of food between our teeth with our tongue, and most of the time uh, we manage to chew the food up and swallow it without either choking to death by swallowing it badly or chewing up our tongue because the nerves the way we're designed has it to where there are nerves in the tongue which is a muscle that tell it get out of the way teeth are coming Um, but we do have to reclaim some of what we have lost through habits such as not breathing deeply, um, eating too fast, um, staying up too late, uh, sometimes complicated by the use of stimulating drinks uh, beyond the level of coffee um, so that we can get more into our day. Um, and, you know, there's also cultural things that are brought our way, that if somebody is a, is a young mother with, with children, the children come first, and a lot of times, uh, while the mother is chaperoning and uh, chauffeuring kids all over the place to various activities, she has no time for herself Um, a lot of times men in our society are taught that their only value comes from what they produce and of course there's a lot of uh, change in the culture as women have uh, become part of the workforce and now are having to decide about when do I want to focus on family? When do I want to focus on work? I have to do both. I have to do everything. And uh, health, health does get neglected. But uh, it's not a hopeless situation because there are people out there who uh, can help people to come back into balance. Um, the idea of innate intelligence has uh, its counterparts, in Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, it's, there it's called chi, in Japan ki, um, various kinds of shakti and Indian healing uh, traditions such as Ayurveda, and they each have their own language but they're talking about the same thing in a lot of ways which is that we have a body that is very beautifully and intelligently, I won't go so far as to say perfectly designed, so that it can adapt to what life throws at it. Mm -hmm. Now, if if life starts throwing
0: faster than we can catch, Mm -hmm. that can get to be a problem. And so you want to help kind of restore it back to the innate kind of communication and intelligence that our body has.
1: Make sure that there's no uh, interference on any level that I have uh, the power to help, yeah. uh, and that means I have to have a a good means for for testing to see what does somebody need in the here and now. Yeah. If they and if they need ten things, what are the what are the top three that I could work with now, knowing that the that the other seven have to go on the back burner for a little bit. <laughs> The priorities. It's
0: like that, um I forgot the principle who's what the name of the principle is though, it but it's uh you know what are the twenty percent of things that'll prove eighty per eighty percent of the results you, that you can kinda do. Right. But that's I mean it's beautiful that you found a kind of attitude and intentions and innate intelligence that led you down to studying maybe we could quote unquote say the right things, the more holistic method and, and approaches to things what what um what a, what beliefs would you say are good to to adopt about our human bodies and our our health and our wellness such as w- your main one that you, i believe you uh, kind of created the practice around that our bodies are designed to be well and get well
1: well besides the the idea that our bodies are designed to to be well under normal circumstances and to get well when some imbalance has knocked us off. um, I think some other good beliefs are that we deserve to enjoy our lives, um, that we should treat each other well, uh, that it's better to be more aware in the here and now instead of um, absorbed in multitasking and not really paying attention to anything. It could be really great. There's an area known as mindfulness uh, that has been made popular uh, by Buddhism, but it doesn't require being a member of a particular religion to uh, adopt some of its practices, where if you're walking, pay attention to the fact that you're walking. Yeah. Um, if you're eating, pay attention to your eating, or even just stop and watch your breath. These things can be very calming, very restorative. Uh, they don't cost a dime, and uh, what's a dime, some of the audience might be saying. It's a tenth of a U.S. dollar. And, uh,
0: They'd only be asking if they weren't paying attention, They'd like only, you're saying. <laughs>
1: right. Well, the, uh, but, yeah, if we, if we if we do pay more attention and we do uh, believe that uh, our lives matter, we're important, that there's a lot of common ground, a lot of challenges that we face together that we can help each other with hmm. instead of see each other as... As opponents, yeah
0: absolutely, and where you place your attention is where you place your energy, yeah, like you're saying, so with all that you're kind of all that you've been learning from going into from making the you know trans early transition of not traditional medical school and going to chiropractic and learning the holistic methods all the different culmination of things that you've been learning what what's a key kind of uh advice? well one one question, what key advice or life lesson that you learned through all all that would you offer to myself and other people listening, and then two from the, those same kind of lessons, what habits would you really think are key to put into um, to put into practice I think it's good to find something if you possibly
1: can that you're passionate about, whether or not it's your source of livelihood or not. Uh, Find something that really feels like it matters to you like it makes a difference um, I've also found that teaching has been a great source of learning for me, and that the more I teach, the more I realize uh, you get to learn again I get to learn again it's it's thankfully endless uh, and uh, thankfully because it's it's so fascinating. Uh, it's really good to connect with other people. Another big lesson that I've learned along the way, um, besides the one of paying attention to just what's going on in your environment, is it's good to find somebody who can listen to you, and somebody that you can listen to, or a whole group, preferably, of people, so that we don't become isolated. I think one of the uh, other things that really makes it difficult for people to go through this world is not having a sense of community which is one reason why I applaud you for uh, creating podcasts and giving people things to think about that are worthwhile is we should connect with each other and not just through social media and not just through email and not just as a matter of commerce but we should get to know each other and we should reveal each other and what we're feeling and and we should pay attention to our feelings then there can be a a way to work with those feelings uh, many ways Mm -hmm. that can help to enrich life and also to protect life but I think isolation is one of the biggest dangers and that we were made to connect we're social creatures by nature.
0: Very nice. Thank you. What um, habits would you say are key to maybe even improve that if that's an area that somebody, you know, feels that you know, they want to go out and be more with people and not isolate themselves so much? What kind of habits towards that are just general routines rituals? Would you what did you develop over the years that you think made a great impact on you know how your day went on?
1: Well, one of the things that makes a, a big difference for me is walking. I love walking and bicycle riding mm-hmm. and try to get in uh, a mile or two at least every day nice. uh, in a nice neighborhood and just walk around and see what's there. Sometimes I take some pictures. Um, I found a great resource for those people who are in Houston called the Clarity Center for a New Way, which taught me about a method of developing a a peer counseling network. Um, if you ever want to talk with the founders of, um, the clarity process, it's, I'll be glad to get you in touch with them, but they, they teach a whole class about how to listen and it gets into a lot of the theory that they have about um, how we wound up being hurt when we were little not necessarily because we were being abused but because uh, parents didn't have the best training in the world or they were otherwise occupied or sometimes pretty dysfunctional and there was nobody there to listen to us Uh, it's really good to be uh, listened to and to not always just have on our brave face and uh, our 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 tough or our joking demeanor where we just kind of blow everything off yeah. while we're hurting inside. I think those are really good things to do. And if anybody's listening to this and they want a, a good resource for that, which wouldn't necessarily require going to... Um, Therapist and therapists are great. Uh, I've taught classes for professional therapists, but this could be a good place to start um, working some things out on your own. Yeah, Uh, in addition to that, awesome. uh, I'll be glad to share that resource.
0: Awesome. Before I get my uh, final question, I'd really like to appreciate you for all the work that you've been doing. And you know, I, I didn't touch into the story just yet how I got led to you. And that's why, you know, how I had a strong sense that this is where I need to be to help, you know, improve my own communication between uh, that my head and my body and get back into that flow, that natural state, because to me that that flow, and that natural state that you're talking about the communication is how our lives were designed to be and then through the different stimulations and toxics, whatever, it knocks us out of a balance, but because the body uh, create, wants to get maintain homeostasis, homeostasis, it creates a new familiar kind of state. Uh, so it's a, it's a process of getting back into that. So thank you very much and it's been a pleasure to be able to get to know you better and that's why I also love... Same the, here. Yeah, thank you. Um, how can people get a hold of you? Okay, well I
1: have a private practice in Houston. The telephone number for that practice is 713-955-4009. I also have a website which is called headtofoot.net. That's H-E-A-D, that which sits on top of our neck, Uh, the numeral two and foot, that which we stand upon. Um, Homeostasis, by the way, is a term that was originally uh, brought to us as a gift from from medicine and it is the tendency of the body to try to maintain its own balance yeah. so this is not a foreign uh, woo-woo kind of a concept um, the fact that the body tries to maintain a temperature of 98.6 and that our blood and urine pH are supposed to be at certain levels and, and so forth that comes right out of medicine and um uh, we're really more the same than we are different. I think that's one of the things to keep in mind. And I think that also can lead to great bridges that we can cross toward understanding each other and ourselves.
0: Amen. Amen. What is the gift that you'd love to share with the world? Well, with uh,
1: professionals, I'd love to share some of the techniques that I'm using so that they could incorporate them into their own professional practices. Mm -hmm. I'm about to um, work together with a holistic dentist uh, on developing a class for dentists and I've also taught one class so far for psychotherapists that was very well received. I have a class for lay people uh, to teach them how to do basic muscle testing and it's a lot of fun and many it's called kinesiology is for everyone, or KIFE, and I teach classes in that every so often. Um, there are a lot of things you can correct just by rubbing a couple of acupuncture points for a couple of seconds with your fingers. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're safe through they're legal, and I, I love sharing that. just did one of those classes last weekend. And I'm also trying to get my specialized cranial and spinal corrective techniques out to chiropractors who could use those and they're all non-forceful methods so they're they're safe they're elegant they're fairly quick to perform and uh, they bring about a lot of relief I'd love to share those with members of uh, my own profession
0: awesome well thank you very much for for joining me for taking the time to get on the show and I look forward to connecting again soon and Potentially even learning some more from you.
1: Well, thanks a lot for having me. And it's great knowing you as well. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to these wonderful gifts, which I hope have brought you some great value. We have many more guests to come and gifts pour over this world. And don't forget, if you have enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear some more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast or that little star on Outcast. I'm always looking for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, check out SolomonEzra.com. You can also sign up for my newsletter about new podcasts and blogs.